the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Eight minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer on a Thursday, the 28th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord 2021. Coming up on today's program in about a half an hour, we are going to speak with an infectious disease specialist about what Pfizer is doing right now and trying to cover their tracks. They have proclaimed to the FDA that they believe their vaccine for your kids, ages 5 to 11, is safe. And at the same time, they are petitioning for full immunity from prosecution or from liability if they're wrong. Because they don't know if their vaccine is safe. And of course, neither does the FDA. We played that for you yesterday. I'll probably play it a half dozen times for you today or more. As they acknowledge, they cannot tell if this vaccine is safe for kids until they pump it into your kids. That's legitimately what they have declared. So we're going to talk to Dr. Vince Urso about that coming up uh, at 935. He's an infectious disease specialist, and he is an opponent. Dr. Richard Urso, I beg your pardon. He is an opponent of... um, uh, the the vaccine uh, mandates and the vaccines being uh, used as an emergency under emergency authoriz- authorization for children when there is no such emergency for children. So that's coming up at 9.35. Then at 10.10, of course, we always talk on Thursdays to Dr. Everett Piper, who's got a few stories that he is very fired up about this morning, and we'll get his reaction to those at 10.10. So before those interviews, in between those interviews, and after those interviews, of course, that's your time to shine. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers gets you there. I've got to start giving the authority message line again as well because we kind of forgot about it. Uh, I want you to know that if you're off the air and you're listening to something that inspires you to have something to say but you're listening on a podcast, 
because you can't listen live, and that's the beauty of whkradio.com, is you can listen to the podcast of the show uh, at any given time. You can download it and listen to it at your leisure. But uh, if you fi- figure you've got something to say but we're not live, that's where the message line comes in, 216-525-1806. If you're listening live, you don't dial that number. You dial me, and we'll put you on the radio. But if you're listening outside of listening hours uh, or show live hours, 216-525-1806 is your number to leave a message for us. Now, before we get started with the top news of the day, what do you say we start with our Pledge of Allegiance? Patriots, please stand. Face your flag if you have one. Face a flag anywhere if you can spot one. And if you don't, that's all right. Close your eyes. Put your hand over your heart and imagine the stars and the stripes as we pledge allegiance. Far leftists, Biden voters, you go ahead and take your knee. We know how you feel about this country anyway. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Let us talk about liberty. Let us talk about freedom. Let us talk about our ability to live our lives freely, to raise our families freely, to educate our children as we see fit. Let's talk about all of that, because all of that was on display yesterday in a United States Senate committee hearing in which Attorney General Merrick Garland was finally called upon uh, on the Senate side to answer for his attack on American citizens as being domestic terrorists if they complain too loudly at their school boards about what's going on inside of those schools. Between Ted Cruz and Tom Cotton and Josh Hawley and Mike Lee and John Kennedy of Louisiana, what we heard yesterday, if you heard it, or if you've heard it since then, from those Republican leaders in the United States Senate, speaking on behalf of all of us, is something that is long overdue. This is representation. This is what a representative republic is supposed to sound like. It's what it's supposed to look like. These people spoke for us, our senators senators from those states, spoke for us when they dressed down the Attorney General of the United States for daring to write a memo instructing his FBI in his Department of Justice to look into parents who complain too loudly and thus might be deemed as harassing school board members or complain too loudly and intimidated school board members over things like critical race theory, over things like forced masking, forced vaccination, division, Uh, gender theory, putting children in danger, all of these things that parents have been been very vocal about in changing school board policies or trying to change school board policies, he tried to quash or at the very least chill that speech by taking the letter sent to him by the National School Boards Association, which called these parents domestic terrorists, and used 20 different examples of what they believed to be intimidation and harassment and threats of violence in order to say, hey, President Biden, get your DOJ, your attorney general, to sick the FBI FBI on these people. They're dangerous domestic terrorists. And sure enough, Joe Biden did exactly that. Got Merrick Garland to jump 
uh, as soon as and actually say how high as soon as uh, Joe Biden told him to jump and to act on this. So yesterday, Garland had to answer questions, a lot of them. Ted Cruz was the hammer that I believe pounded uh, Merrick Garland into submission. Speaking on behalf of all of us. No, at the time. No. Okay. This week, the court concluded that a 14-year-old girl was violently raped by a boy wearing a skirt in the girls' restroom. The school district covered it up, released the boy, sent him to another school where he violently raped another girl. The father who Mr. Hawley just showed you was the father of, of, of the first girl. He was understandably... Do you understand why a parent would be upset when your daughter is raped at school, the school board covers it up, and then lies to you and claims there have been no assaults, we have no instances of assaults in our bathroom, and that was a flat-out lie, as the court concluded this week. Do you understand why the parent would be upset? Absolutely, and is any expressions of upset are completely protected by the First Amendment. Except you just called him a domestic terrorist. I never called him that. That's not this correct. This letter calls him a domestic terrorist. You based a direction to the FBI, an official direction from the Attorney General, on this letter, and I'll tell you what, the... The NSBA is so embarrassed of this letter, they've apologized for it and retracted it, but you don't apparently have the same willingness to apologize and retract what you did. Let me ask you something else. A big part... No, we'll stop it right there. We don't need anything else at the moment, Senator Cruz, because that part is extraordinarily important, and it's something you need to know. The National School Boards Association, which wrote the letter to the president and his attorney general demanding the FBI intervene using the Patriot Act if necessary because of these domestic terrorist parents, actually had to retract their letter. And they have indeed apologized for their letter. Now this, of course, not before many states, including, I'm proud to say, the state of Ohio, disassociated itself from the NSBA. The Ohio School Boards Association has now withdrawn its membership in the National School Boards Association. So that's over this letter. So that's a good sign. And because of that and several other states, the NSBA had to admit and acknowledge that what they had put in that letter was not accurate. Okay? So they withdrew and they... um, uh, apologized for the the examples in that letter of, quote, intimidation, harassment, and threats of violence. But Merrick Garland, the attorney general, who used that letter by his own admission, that letter was the impetus, that letter was the predicate, if you will, for for his letter to the FBI, his memo to the FBI, refuses to do what the NSBA did, which is retract his letter and say, no, we are not going to have the FBI investigating local matters, particularly since the letter that I used as the basis of my uh, memorandum to the FBI has been retracted and, and apologized for. That would be the responsible thing for an attorney general who cared about the rule of law to do. But this attorney general doesn't care about the rule of law. Why? He's Joe Biden's attorney general. That's why. And laws don't apply the political agenda of the left does destroy parents take away parental involvement make sure that the teachers are able and the teachers unions are able to infiltrate the minds of these students without parents getting in the way that's why he refuses to do what the nsba did and pull his memorandum 
acknowledge that the information contained in that letter by the NSBA was false and inaccurate. Ted Cruz seized upon him. On Wednesday, September 29th, the National School Board Association wrote a letter to the president asking the president to use the Department of Justice to target parents that were upset at critical race theory, that were upset at mask mandates in schools, to target them as domestic terrorists. On the face of the letter, the letter was in repeated consultation with the White House, in explicit political consultation with the White House. That was on Wednesday, September 29th, five days later. On Monday, so right after the weekend, boom, you pop out a memo giving them exactly what they want. Now, by the way, I understand that. In politics, that happens all the time. An important special interest wants something. Sir, yes, sir. We're going to listen to him. Let me ask you something, General Garland. In the letter, which you told the House of Representatives was the basis for this abusive memo targeting parents, how many incidents are cited in that memo? I have to look back through the memo. I okay, you, count it. you don't know. How many of them were violent? Again, the, the general report... How many of them were violent? Do you know? I don't know. You don't know. And there's a reason you don't know. Because you didn't care, and nobody in your office cared to find out. I did a quick count just sitting here. During this hearing, I counted 20 incidents cited. Of the 20, 15 on their face are nonviolent. They involve things like insults. They involve a Nazi salute. That's one of the examples. My God, a parent did a Nazi salute at a school board because he thought the, the, the policies were oppressive. General Garland is doing a Nazi salute at an elected official. Is that protected by the First Amendment? Yes, it is. Okay. Fifteen of the twenty, on the face of it, are not violent. They're not threats of violence. They're parents who are unhappy. Yet, miraculously, when you write a memo, the opening line of your memo... In recent months, there has been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence. You know what? You didn't look, and nobody on your, on your staff looked. Did you even look up the 20 instances? So Ted Cruz just hammering home so many important points there that the attorney general just, quite frankly, looked dumbfounded because he had, he had no answer for these things. 20 examples cited in the NSBA letter, 15 of them were nonviolent. 15 of them were nonviolent. And by the way, when we say violent, we don't mean acts of violence. We mean even threats of violence. 15 of them. Yet that letter, filled with all of its nonviolent threats, nonviolent intimidation and harassment and complaints, was the basis of his uh, memorandum to the FBI. And as Ted Cruz just said, when they pulled those and they pulled that and apologized, why didn't you do the same? There is no answer because it's part of the agenda. That's the answer. So I guess I'm wrong. There is an answer because it's part of the political agenda. Number two, what the left seized upon in that Ted Cruz uh, takedown of Merrick Garland yesterday, what they seized upon was that Ted Cruz was pointing out that then a Nazi salute by used, uh, used by one of the parents at one school board meeting somewhere, which of course was used to signify that he believed the school board to be practicing Nazism, that it was the school board that was cracking down on the freedom of the people and the children. He gave them a Nazi salute because he was calling them Nazis. But what did the left seize upon? 
They took all of Ted Cruz's terrific discussion there and cast it out and said, Cruz supports Nazi salute. <laughs> it's all over left-wing media, and it's all over left-wing social media. Cruz supports Nazi salute. Cruz defends Nazi salute. Cruz says Nazi salute, not violent. It's incredible. As if to say that a a a a a Nazi sympathizer, a neo-Nazi, you know, skinhead, racist, white supremacist, gave a Nazi salute at a at a school board meeting, and Ted Cruz said, "Yeah, my kind of guy." It's exactly the opposite. It was a concerned parent telling the school board, "You're acting like Nazis," giving them a Nazi salute to illustrate that point. And Ted Cruz supported that parent making that point. And yet that was included as one of the school board association's points in the letter that threatened violence. It is just so much kabuki theater. Thank you, Ted Cruz. Thank you, Tom Cotton. Thank you, Josh Hawley. Thank you, uh, John Kennedy and others who did everything they could to expose this attorney general weaponization of the DOJ against you and me and every other parent who wants a say in their kids' education and a say in how their kids are treated at school. Thank you all for representing us in true democratic republic fashion. Remember, we are a democratic republic, a constitutional republic, not a democracy. We need our representatives to do our will, and it was done on the Hill yesterday. 923, quick time out, right back. The free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 926. Continuing on AM 1420, the answer. This is what needs to happen. When officials, particularly officials who are appointed, not elected, and that's what the attorney general is here, when officials take the law into their own hands and literally weaponize it to use it against the American citizens, they need to step up, they need to fight hard, and they need to demand that their representatives, whether they be on the House side or the Senate side, fight for them. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. Merrick Garland was torn apart and exposed as a man who not only should not be on the Supreme Court, as Tom Cotton made very, very clear, it was great that Mitch McConnell blocked his nomination uh, when uh, Barack Obama made that nomination before his reelection campaign. It was a, it was the right thing to do. This man should not be in the Supreme Court, as Tom Cotton just pointed out. He should also not be in the Attorney General's position. He should not be in the DOJ. Uh, numerous questioners yesterday from the GOP, including the members that I just mentioned, called for his resignation in disgrace. In disgrace. And that's something that absolutely, absolutely should happen. All right, uh, let's go to Mike. Uh, Mike, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll take a quick call here before the bottom of the hour. Go right ahead, sir. Hey, good morning, Bob. Hey, can I give you one of your sponsors a quick, uh, a quick plug? Okay. Uh, Mark, I called Mark King's office uh, yesterday. I am in Nevada, so obviously he can't help me out here, but they did. They said, really? Well, you, um, yes, his office uh, said, look, we'll get right back to you. We'll get you a number. And they got a couple hours later, because obviously they're very busy, 
I got a phone call and a number to call, and uh, I will be working on that today. So that's outstanding. Anyway. I'm really great to hear, uh, grateful to hear that. That's terrific. Mark is a great guy. Everything I say about him, I really, really mean, and that's a great example. Thank you for that. Uh, well, what else? He's got, got? A, he's got a great, great office. Uh, you know what? This, you know when you were talking about these schools, these government schools are awful. We need, we need to start plugging for uh, you know vouchers and charter schools so that parents parents are really in control. If they have the money in hand with a voucher, they send their, their child, their son or daughter, to the school of their choosing, whether it be a religious school, whatever school they want. Sure. You know, these government schools, are, are that's, that's our downfall of this country. I mean, they're killing us. I remember during the Tea Party years, I met so many young adults. They had young children, and they were just talking about they never had civics. They never had civics in high school. And I'll bet that our our Congress, I bet you 80% of our Congress couldn't pass my senior year civics uh, class. I mean, it's, it's, if you if you don't know how to be a citizen, you know, you don't know what the United States stand for. How can you protect it? No, and and you're right. They they stopped teaching civics uh, year decades and decades ago, uh, and that's and that's to our detriment. I believe it is to our detriment because too many. And thank you for the call, and thank you for the testimonial from Mark King too. By the way, Mike, um, but because they don't understand what this country is about, how it was founded, and what makes it special, unique, and exceptional, and how it's run, and what the role of the citizen is to protect all of those things, then by extension, the nation doesn't get protected by its citizens. And and all of the things that make it unique, special, and exceptional uh, are allowed to wither away. And we become just like another country. We become a flop house. We become a nation without borders. We become a nation with a weak military, with weak foreign policy, uh, with government uh, uh, dictating to us rather than the people telling the government what they want done. All of those things start to go by the wayside when we stop teaching the kids civics and specifically what it means to be an American. I could not agree with you more. And because they won't teach them at the public schools, I also agree with you on let the kids go or the parents put their kids in a school that will teach them what they want taught and will not indoctrinate them at the same time. The dollars must follow the child. If the average amount spent on a student in Ohio per year is, say, $6,800 to educate them in a public school, then that $6,800 check should go directly to the school of the, of the child's choosing or of the parent's choosing. Charter school, Catholic school, religious school, private school, home school, doesn't matter. Completely concur. Mike, thank you for that great call. It's 931. We're going to take a time out and come right back and talk about... Pfizer, liability, safety, and mandates. All with Dr. Richard Uso, Uso coming up next on AM 1420 The Answer. two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer okay we continue now 937 thanks for being with us on am 1420 the answer i want to shift gears now away from merrick garland and uh taking the liberty away from parents 
to Joe Biden trying to take the liberty away from all of us to decide what goes into our body and now what goes into our children's body. That's right. So I guess it's continuing an assault on parents in a manner of speaking. Um, the FDA is on the cusp of approving for emergency authorized use COVID vaccines made by Pfizer for children ages 5 to 11. That's uh, going to amount to around 28 million children that are going to be asked, if not demanded, to take the jab, the profit jab, the big pharma profit jab, as I call them. The question is, is it safe? Is this vaccine, number one, going to be effective, and even does it matter to a kid? Number two, is it going to be safe? We don't know the answer to any of those questions, but joining us now to analyze them is a man who might, infectious disease specialist, Dr. Richard Urso. I spoke with him a little bit earlier this morning. I asked him to come on in a little more depth on this issue, and he was kind enough to agree to do that. Dr. Urso, good to have you back again. How are you, sir? Great, Bob. Thanks for being here. This is a big uh thing that everyone needs to hear about is a very important issue uh, standing here before us. Completely concur. There's a lot of layers to this onion, but I'm going to try to narrow this down to two particular sections today for this conversation. Number one is the E in EAU, emergency authorized use. I want to know how it is that the FDA, Dr. Urso, can possibly may, uh, uh, make this product available to children 5 to 11 under emergency authorized use if there is no emergency. Because according to what I have read, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, the number of children who are hospitalized who are otherwise healthy and not who do not have uh, comorbidities and other compromising situations. But the number of children who are hospitalized and or die from COVID-19 is roughly half the number who have died from pneumonia since COVID-19 became a pandemic. It is also a much smaller number than the number of children who die from the flu. So if there is no emergency for flu and pneumonia, how is there an emergency for COVID-19 for children 5 to 11? Well, that's a great point, and I think we can go to the statistics. Approximately 65,000 uh, people, uh, children have died in the last year and a half, and somewhere around 400 or so have died with COVID, not of COVID, but with COVID. It's very unusual for children to die of COVID. And so what we're seeing here, there is no emergency in children, and that's one of the major problems as we move forward. This is not an emergency use for children. Children... Don't die from this disease. It's zero in the five to eleven group. It's less than zero point one per hundred thousand, which is less than one in a million infection fatality rate. This is not an emergency for this group of of of, of the population. And then the twelve to seventeen, it's around uh, slightly above zero point one per hundred thousand, which is slightly close to one in a million. So there's no emergency in this age group. Absolutely true. I think they're just pushing ahead despite all the data. For what purpose, Dr. Urso? Well, I mean, if they, if they can't justify the E, as I say, in emergency, and you just pointed out they cannot, uh, what justification do they have to say we're going to make this shot available anyway? And, in fact, once it becomes available under, under emergency youth, uh, use authorization or emergency authorized use, whichever way it's supposed to be, then uh, it opens the door for mandates. We already know that in uh, California, Los Angeles County has mandated that all students who are eligible for the shot must have the shot. Now that it's going to go from 5 to five to 11, in addition to 12 and up, that's going to happen in California, probably in many other places. So so if, if there is no emergency authorization, why, or excuse me, if there is no emergency need, why the emergency authorization? What's their goal? 
again, let's go to the data. The data says there's not really an emergency in children. That's what the data says. Mm -hmm. There's been a tremendous dishonesty in the data the entire time. We heard early on that the vaccines were 95% effective. Now we know they're not 95% effective. In fact, it looks like they're less than 40% effective. And we know that they don't stop, stop infection, and we know that they don't stop transmission. That's what we know. So if we're going to create safe environments, how can we create safe environments when, in fact, they don't stop infection, they don't stop transmission? So this is what we're saying. We're going to go ahead and make mandates based on the fact that the vaccines are effective. Well, they're shown not to be effective in that area. So now we're going to go ahead and do it in children where they don't have the data safety monitoring uh, report in even the older groups. We have, what, 10 months of, of data, and we have no data safety monitoring. And what do we have from the VAERS, the most deadly vaccine rollout to, in history? So we have, this is data, this is not my opinion. And so what we're seeing here is a complete disconnect between what the data says and what they're saying out of Washington. If they wonder why there's uh, a vaccine hesitancy, it's because of that. And they're telling people that they have to have COVID recovered people when we know natural immunity protects you, and we've seen the SARS-CoV-1 patients still have immunity 18 years later. So the dishonesty around the program and around the data is what's driving this, and they're not going to allow this uh, to go forward with our children if they were following the data. The data says this makes no sense. But yet they are indeed going to push this on our children now. And we're talking with Dr. Richard Urso. He's an infectious disease specialist. So I want to go to the other part of this conversation for now, and that is the safety factor. Uh, number one, Pfizer has declared that this vaccine is safe for children ages 5 to 11. It won't be in quite the same size dose as it is for an adult, but the vaccine itself is going to be safe for children ages 5 to 11. Yet, at the same time, the FDA cannot make the same claim. The FDA, and in fact, one member of the FDA's advisory panel, which voted 17 to nothing to allow and authorize this for children, said uh, during the vote the following but we're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it yeah that's just the way it goes we're never going to learn just how safe this vaccine is unless we start giving it. That's just how it goes. In other words, we need some guinea pigs. We need some lab rats. we got to jam this into as many arms as we can, and then we'll know whether it was safe or not. And if it, we'll all find out together. And if it wasn't, well, sorry, we gave, Ill- we gave immunity from liability to the co- company that made it, Pfizer. That's what Pfizer wants now. They want immunity from any liability claims against them if this is not safe for kids. And the FDA says, we know it's not. We don't know if it's safe for kids or not. So what do we take away from that, Dr. Rousseau? Uh, This is an extremely irresponsible statement for for someone in this position. This should never be moving forward this quickly. The actual uh, cohort that was there actually was followed up for safety for two months. This is ridiculous. And so the reason I say that, this has never happened before in the history. And this is not an emergency in this age group. They don't spread. They don't get sick. And at the end of the day, this is not a data-driven decision. And this is an irresponsible decision. And this is the truth. And now what we need is courage. We need courage from parents and others and grandparents not to allow this to happen in their children. That's what we have to do. Yeah, and, and that is what we have to do. Uh, but so the question is is about the immunity. Now, maybe you can answer this better than I can. I, I've understood that 
vaccine producers, the manufacturers of vaccines, have been given immunity in the past, almost blanket immunity, especially if, you know, there is a, a pressing need for the vaccine. Obviously, last year, President Trump and his team pushed forward with Operation Warp Speed and got this thing done in record time. Uh, and for a lot of people, they say immunity is, is, is understood here because if it doesn't go right, you can't blame the manufacturer when they were told to do it super fast. So generally speaking, do manufacturers have immunity from prosecution or from liability or from uh, lawsuits if their vaccines turn out not to be safe for their targeted, uh, targeted uh, users? Yes, generally that's been true since the mid-1980s. I think it was 1987 when that was enacted. They have immunity from liability. What you're seeing here is they're putting a massive experiment on your children. This, it's not a legal question at this point. This is, this is to a much deeper level. This is unethical. This is unethical. What's happening is unethical. So it's a deeper question. It's not immunity from liability from something that was well-tested and they tried, everyone did their best. No, they didn't do their best. No, they don't have safety data. No, they have not been honest in the whole program the entire time. There's no reason why anyone should trust this product in children 5 to 11. I hope everyone on here understands that this, this lipid nanoparticle goes to every part of your body, gets through tight junctions, and goes to your bones, your, I mean your bone marrow, your brain. It goes to your reproductive organs. It goes to adrenal glands. It goes everywhere in your body. That's what lipid nanoparticles do. It's carrying uh, something called the spike protein that is very inflammatory. So that means you're going to get inflammation in all those tissues I just named, including the reproductive tissues, which would likely affect fertility in some future time. And hopefully we can pray that it doesn't happen, but this is likely to happen at some small level, at least. And so what we're seeing is the lack of, of efficacy is one issue, which I just described earlier for the adult population, uh, doesn't stop transmission and it doesn't stop infection. And now we have a lack of safety data. And to put it in our children is something that is it's irresponsible. Uh, I, uh, literally, it's the, the data hasn't been... Uh, tried and true, and they are not even attempting to look at the safety data in the adult population, never mind what's going to happen to our children. And third of all, they actually excluded all the people who are COVID-recovered. So they looked at the children, and they looked at the COVID-recovered children, and they didn't allow those children in the study. That's because those children are at higher risk uh, for, for injury. So if you have already immunity you already may have so many antibodies that you'll produce a hyperimmune response when you get this vaccine. And those children are much more likely to be harmed by the vaccine because they already have intact immunity against this spike protein already. Is that true Is that true in adults too, Dr. Urso? Because I, I have, I, I've already had COVID. I have tons of antibodies. I've, I've been antibody tested, uh, and, and I'm far, far, far more robustly protected than anybody getting one of those profit jabs from the companies. So if I take one of the jabs on top of my antibodies, uh, does it put me in jeopardy? It can. You retain an antigenic fra- uh, fragment and fingerprint of the, of, the, of the virus for many, many, many months, up to even 10 months. So you're going to basically have circulating antibodies for a long time. On top of that, you're going to have T-cell responses. I usually say antibodies are like car keys. They're very specific. Uh, the T-cells are more like tow trucks. They can take care of the virus very easily. You'll have memory cells, but you're having circulating antibodies right now because you're still retaining an antigenic fingerprint. 
So if you get the um, vaccine, you may get a very, very um, uh, rapid and uh, potentially deadly response. As you know, as I said earlier, this is the most deadly vaccine rollout in the history of the last four decades. Uh, it, it, it trumps all the other vaccines that have ever been given over the last four decades in terms of death. Dr. Urso, last question, and I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and spending this time. Dr. Richard Urso is my guest. Uh, last question is about you. You are a doctor. You are a scientist. Um, those who continue to push mandatory, mandatory vaccines and, and masking and so on and so forth, um, they, they, they're telling us, follow the science, follow the science. The scientists say, the experts say, the doctors say, and they always point us to Dr. Fauci or, or, or somebody in the CDC. They, they completely dismiss you and people like you who are doctors and researchers and scientists who say this is bad. This doesn't call for a, a mandate. This vaccine is not necessarily safe and effective for everyone. There are side effects. There are concerns. How do you handle it as a physician who is essentially cast aside by the politicians who are telling us, listen to doctors, but only the doctors we want you to listen to? I'm so glad you asked me that question. I wish I, I wish I had given it to myself. We're part of something called GlobalCovidSummit.org, the International Alliance of Physicians and Scientists. We now have 13,000 scientists and physicians that have signed on to a document that says do not vaccinate our children. No mandatory vaccination of our children. It's unsafe. Do not vaccinate the COVID recovered. It's unsafe. And stop trying to stop early treatment. That's not smart. Well, I just logged on to it when you said it. GlobalCovidSummit.org. More than 10,000 physicians and medical scientists signing the Rome Declaration. I can't wait to read that in protest, launching a new information platform. Dr. Urso, I'm glad you're part of that, and I'm glad you guys are banding together and telling everybody that real science yearns to be challenged. It doesn't just dismiss those who disagree with them. That's why I don't trust the science pushed by the CDC and the NIH. They're telling us to dismiss you and 10,000 other doctors, rather than face the challenge that their conclusions uh, are of their own conclusions. Real science accepts challenges, doesn't shut it down, and that's why this is so very important. Dr. Urso, I thank what, you so much. One last statement, Bob. Yes, sir. Can I say one last thing to your yes, audience? Yes, sir. Please. This is truth. What you just heard is truth. It's up to you to have courage now. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Urso. I appreciate that very much. Dr. Richard Urso, an infectious disease specialist, I talked to him this morning. Just became aware of him this morning, and he was kind enough to come on and do an extended se- uh, uh, segment with us. Um, you might want to write that website down or log into your uh, or tap it into your uh, browser right now if you if you can. That's what I did. GlobalCovidSummit.org. Tons of information here. I just am scratching the surface of it as I talk. I'm looking at some of the links. But that's what science does. Science listens to all of the research and then puts it together to determine what it means. It doesn't cancel half the research because of a political agenda. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I have to say that out loud. 9.53, right back. Your calls, AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 9.56 now. Thanks again to Dr. Urso. If you missed that interview, I highly recommend going to the website. 
whkradio.com. It'll be posted as a podcast probably 10, 15 minutes after the top of the hour. Uh, and any interview that you may miss on this program is available there. But Dr. Urso is terrific, uh, and his point is exactly the right one in my view. If there is no emergency for children ages 5 to 11, how and why could the FDA issue an emergency authorized use of a vaccine? There's no emergency. It's not close. There's no emergency. The numbers don't lie. The numbers are not even ambiguous. The numbers make very, very clear there is no emergency for children 5 to 11. Twice as many children have died of pneumonia since the pandemic uh, began as have died from COVID-19. And COVID-19, that's with COVID-19, much less from COVID-19. There's no emergency use authorization of a drug for pneumonia going out. More children are dying from the flu than who died from COVID-19. No emergency drug going out there. But yet, COVID-19, in which... There is no emergency. We're, we're, we're pushing through a drug that the FDA itself says we can't be sure it's safe. We just don't know. We'll find out after we give it to your kids, and then we'll let you know if it was safe or not. And there's no emergency. People need to speak out. That's what Dr. Urso is doing. Tanya's in Akron. Hey, Tanya, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead. Hey, Bob, how are you? Good, Tanya. What's on your uh, mind? I was going to talk about the schools, but... Um... It's basically the same thing. We have to be courageous. You have to take your kids out of the public school system. Even if you put them in private schools or parochial schools, you need to be looking at the curriculum. It's not about where they go. It's about the curriculum that is being taught. Otherwise, you just put them in another den for people to prey on. The same thing about the vaccinations. Parents have to be courageous. You do not have to give these vaccines to your babies. It's like, and then when they're talking about the mixing of vaccinations, it doesn't matter if you get a Pfizer, if you get a Johnson and Johnson, you can mix them together. First, the first law, the first rule of drinking, if you don't mix liquor, why are we mixing medicine? I just don't get it. It's just like we're stupid or something. We're in some kind of, crazy world that we need to it's called stop. desperation Everybody? it's desperation mode right. a desperate drunk but, will mix two things that don't go together just because they're desperate I and mean, they can't make a mixed drink out of it they're totally separate they'll do it just because they're drunk and they're too desperate and they don't want to stay sober whatever it takes i'll drink it a desperate doctor or a desperate pharmaceutical company that wants to sell billions of dollars worth of more medication that is not actually working will say, you know what, mix it with the other one. Let's see how that goes. Maybe then it'll start working and provide you longer-lasting immunity. It is exactly the same thing, Tanya. You're exactly right. They're desperate. And if they're not going to give an illegal alien who crosses over the border, make them take the shot, why are we thinking we should give our shots the five to 12 year olds somewhere we as americans need to say stop you're treating people who break the law and criminals better than you're treating citizens and somewhere is we can't be polite we need to have a walk out of school day a walk out of work day and just say it ain't gonna happen we won't work you don't get paid we won't work we won't send our kids to school you don't get paid 
And well, I'm going to circle that- back. I'm going to circle back to the one of the words you used in the first part of your call, Tanya, as I wrap here, because I got to let you go. I've got a time out for news and then a guest coming up. But you used the word courage at the beginning because Doctor Urso used the word courage, and you're right. It would take courage to get those kinds of walkouts to happen for everybody to walk out, not leave a skeleton crew that can, they can scrape by with, but for everybody to walk out. That would send a message, one that would, would get action. But that takes courage that I don't know if we have collectively. And I'll continue to urge it and encourage it, but that's the way it is. Thank you so much for the great call, Tanya. We're going to take that time out now for news. Dr. Everett Piper will join us next on AM 1420, The Answer. Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.